0: I'm one of the few people you'll meet who've written more books than they've read. Um, I felt I'd taken the novel as far as it could go. I guess it was inevitable that my imagination would make the move to television. I got a script, read it, scared me senseless, calmed dammitude, and I said to Garth, I looked straight into his face, I've never been afraid of holding a man's gaze, it's natural. I said, this is going to be the most significant television event since Quantum Leap. And I do not say that lightly.
1: Hello listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and posh Presents. I am one of your hosts, or Dream Weaver, as I like to be called, Ryan Sawinski.
0: And I'm Bartek, but just call me host. How are you doing, Bartek? Good, good. How are you doing, Ryan, the Dream Weaver?
1: I'm doing very well. We're here doing our monthly show, uh, A monthly fill-in, lockdown, quarantine, COVID-19 special, a televisual event. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about the televisual event we've got lined up for this one.
0: Yeah, this one has probably been a long time coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the reason the name exists in the first
0: place, isn't it? I I noticed, yes, the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't remember that that's where it came from? no i don't i didn't
1: well let's stop cock teasing we are going to be talking about garth Marenghi's dark place a uh an english uh television show from the was it the like just around the mid 2000s like 2004
0: I i think 2004 is the year yeah
1: uh, starring a few, um, a few people of of note, especially if you know your British comedy scene. It's got Richard awadi Matt Berry, and uh, a sprinkling of several other notable people that just kind of pop in there. Uh, Bartek, what is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place?
0: Uh, so Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is a television show from 2004, and in keeping with the often uh, applicable tradition of this particular podcast. It is a TV show about people that have a TV show, where watching that TV show is what we uh, are getting out of it. So this one is about a horror writer named Garth Marangi who is Mm. very pretentious and philosophical in his horror writing, who... Uh, every episode begins with him directly addressing the audience and telling them about how uh, he made a TV show back in the 1980s with a friend mm-hmm. of his, and it did not do well. But due to circumstances, that uh, recent circumstances, um, he is able to show us the audience the TV show with some added narration sprinkled in to explain the deeper themes because we uh, might be too dumb to get it.
1: And the the behind-the-scenes information with him and, yeah, interviews interspersed with him, his friend and publisher, Dean Lerner, who's also an actor in the show, in their Mm -hmm. show, and the the other actor, Todd Rivers, and they give behind-the-scenes information.
0: Yeah, the three male leads of the show.
1: And, of course this is all fake, it's fictitious, Garth Marenghi is a character, he's not real, and um, yeah, he's very much a Stephen King riff. And of course, the big thing is, he is schlocky, he's, he writes schlock horror, he's very pretentious, and he's a bad writer, but he thinks he's a genius.
0: Yeah, and one of the big appeals of this show for the two of us is that um, it is the kind of show where it's got those two layers of the the real world where the people who make the TV show uh, express Mm. their logic and then there's the TV show itself and just seeing how the two uh, interconnect. So, like, you might see a very weird acting decision in the TV show and then (laughs) the interviews that we get with the people that made it will sort of, like, explain the headspace of why they made that decision.
1: It is the juxtaposition of what is being said in the real world with what's being shown in the actual TV show, but also the rationalization of decisions that they made as well. Because sometimes it will be like, oh, you know, I've never acted. And some say I didn't act during, but I tried my best and all that. And then you see the 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 shot of him acting in the show and it's horrendous. But then there are things that, like... They have constant slow motion, and then it will cut to someone explaining why they did that, and the budgetary and and the technical circumstances of why they had to do that, and the rationalising of these decisions that mm-hmm. we Bartek have often seen and heard described by filmmakers and creators of of lower end things, specifically the disaster artist comes to mind and people like that your Tommy Wiseau's your Neil Breen's and uh, the guy did Birdemic the way that they rationalize and discuss the decisions that they made and the way that they talk about it, it's like oh it all makes sense but as a viewer it's still weird nonsense to us and this show Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is a you know a brilliant comedic send-up of that kind of stuff as well as the obvious jokes about your pretentious artists and your stephen king types and those 80s spooky horror shows
0: yeah and even with some of the examples you listed this kind of predates a lot of them so Mm. it's very interesting to see that
1: yeah, yeah, so Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, of course, if you have not seen this show, go ahead and watch it, it's on YouTube for some reason, I don't know if it's what the legalities of that are, but they're all there, including the special features and the extras and stuff, go watch it, it is a joy, it is a delight, and it is a perfect show to watch for this time of year, six episodes, that's all they are just six episodes, you get some bonus stuff, but that's it, there's, there's only one season of this show, and then they stop doing it. That is your typical British affair, and it is glorious, so make sure to watch it, because we're going to be talking about it. I know it sounds silly to say spoilers for this, but, you know, it is a comedy show, and it does have a plot. They do have plots in their episodes, and some of those plots are a joy to behold for yourself without having someone tell you what they are, because some of them are just, like, truly absurd nonsense so do go check it out because we are going to be talking about it now Bartek what is your history and relationship with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place
0: so it uh, it very closely connects to my relationship with the Ryan Slewinski um we became friends in 2014 it was kind of uh blooming in the first half of the year then in the second half of the year uh it was the last mm. trimester of our drama degree and we obviously had our timetables kind of line up a little bit. I remember after the very first thing I did of that trimester, I met mm-hmm. up with you and we both had free time. And mm-hmm. you didn't live too far from the university, so we went to hang out at your house for the first time. Yeah. Uh, the the house where we began this podcast just a year or so later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And one of the things we did while chilling was you put on this show called Darth Marenghi's Go- garth (laughs) Marangi's dark place Uh, i'd never heard of it before but uh you sold me on it we checked out the first episode and i really enjoyed it and i think the next couple of weeks uh you showed me just episode after episode i don't know if we ever got to the final one but i know we definitely got up to the fifth one (laughs) the scotch mist yeah
1: (laughs) and why does that one stand out as particularly memorable for you
0: uh mainly the just the thick Scottish accents and the subtitles.
1: <laughs> Not his traumatised story about going to Scotland that one time?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It was the visuals of the subtitles.
1: Nice. So yeah, I my history with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is and just to go broader, I'm a big fan of British comedy shows and even when when this show came out i was a huge fan of shows that were currently on at that time like black books for example spaced was only a few years earlier and and, and so on and so forth like i was a huge fan i liked the it crowd of course which I, I knew richard arawati from but i did not hear about i did not know about garth Marenghi's dark place i had not heard about it somehow had slipped me by until mm, very early on when i was at university one of my sister's uh housemates at the time was talking about it and they were stunned that none of us had heard of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place because of our eclectic taste in comedy shows and specifically British ones, and somehow mm-hmm. this had slipped us by, like my sister, my family, just all of us. We had not heard of this show and they described it to us. And we eventually checked it out. We got given a copy of it somehow and I remember going from my sister's place we went back to my parents place in another town and we sat down and we watched that first episode and i have never like oh man i have it's been it's been a while since and it's been a while before that since i would laughed so hard tears were going down my face with laughter from that very first episode as soon as we see the show and and she gets a cat thrown at her from a stage hand and the cat speaks, and she just is like, "Hmm, funny that cat just told me to." I think that cat just told me to leave, and she just walks off. <laughs> oh, tears, tears rolling down my face, and I knew that this would be a show I would love, and I do. I love Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's an absolute classic, and to me, it is a perfect show there's no flaws to it and at the same time that's kind of by design right because all the flaws in the show are on purpose
0: like yeah yeah it's it, they're disguised if there are any flaws
1: it is brilliant acting from all the actual actors playing these characters who are playing and so on and so forth there's a lot to think about with the mechanics of it all but the acting's great. The 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 production design, the the just the amount of effort it actually takes to make something on purposely bad but still competent enough for it to be go- like entertaining. Because obviously that's a thing now that is far more um Far more prevalent since stuff like Sharknado, where people are purposely trying to make so bad it's good quality stuff that they just tip over into being either boring or just plain old bad or missing the point of what is the joy of a so bad it's good type uh, uh, piece of entertainment. While Garth Marangi's Dark Place. It does it perfectly it perfectly captures the joy that you get from those things and like you said this kind of predates some of the stuff like like the room it existed and sh- stuff and sure it was getting popular around this time but the whole behind the scenes information of how that movie got made wasn't really out in the general sphere of information and the idea of these people who made these terrible products or movies or failed projects discussing the minutiae of how they fucked up was also not really a prevalent thing at that time either. So this kind of really went ahead of the curve in a lot of ways with some stuff.
0: Yeah, ahead of its time a bit. I remember earlier this year, during like the brief period in the middle where we weren't under lockdown, mm. I went to visit a friend's house and we watched a film called uh, Velociraptor, pasta mm. mix of Velociraptor and Pasta, like the... Mm. Um, The religious people Mm. and it was one of those films that like was trying to imitate so bad it's good um and Mm. yeah it was that type of film where there were some pretty funny moments but all of the stuff like in between the funny moments were kind of boring Mm. and I was basically spending the whole movie just pointing out all these little things that they could have done to make it more interesting and Mm. yeah it was a real you know it's a real example of something that doesn't quite capture um, the appeal of like how GarthReggie's Dark Place does.
1: Yeah, because just to discuss a little further with that kind of stuff, I think sometimes the failure with those projects are they are like obviously the intent isn't in the right place. The intent is to try and be shit. Um, But usually what makes the actual so bad, it's good, uh, things so enjoyable is the absolute uh, ignorance and cluelessness of the creator and or pure arrogance. And that's what Garth Marenghi is really tapping into more so is the pure arrogance of these people making this show as well as the ignorance. But it's the real egocentric madness and arrogance that You know, people like Tommy Wiseau have for sure, but we kind of look at Tommy Wiseau, most people kind of look at him as that, oh, he was just an ignorant foreign man who didn't know what he was doing and he had all this money, but he's an arrogant guy for sure. But Garth Marenghi's Dark Place captures that kind of intent that makes projects like this fail because even to go beyond just, you know, the so bad is good kind of stuff, Bartak, like you mentioned we, we did this. We watched this when we were at university and we, we you know, we, we work in the creative sphere. We watched and met and have encountered a lot of people who have made failed um, attempts at artistic endeavours and a lot of them fall on their face for the same reasons Garth Marenghi's dark place in the actual world of the show failed because they didn't know what they were doing but they were arrogant enough to think that they did know. Mhm. And even that on the basic level of that is entertaining enough and it succeeds at doing that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I really appreciate about it is that um, you know, we have four primarily main characters to mm. watch. And they all give sort of different levels of bad performing. Like there's the one guy who absolutely has never acted and he's just flatly reading his lines quickly. Yeah. There's the guy who there's a guy who has the cool voice but he reads his lines kind of awkwardly. Yeah. Um, there's the woman who reads her lines too quickly. And then there's Garth Marengi, who is the one who is the the passionate heart of the project. And you can see that there's a lot of overacting going on with him and Mm. a lot of purpose that is just incredibly blatant
1: yes self-aggrandizing
0: yep and even and another thing that i really appreciate is there's a lot of um a lack of subtlety that is incredibly blunt uh, especially with like the misogyny (laughs) it's like an intentional misogyny to uh look at how these characters are flawed because of their misogyny but it's just like so in your face about it that it's hilarious
1: yeah so garth merengue's dark place as always um yeah it's always held a special place in my heart because it other than it's incredibly funny the obvious statement it's incredibly funny um, the jokes, it's jokes upon jokes upon jokes. So many quotable lines of dialogue in this show. But one of the things I love about it is it just captures so perfectly that pretentious art energy that I roll my eyes at so often having studied art and drama and been in the world of theatre and done film stuff and, you know, podcast stuff. It just, I love that. It just captures so well that kind of pretentious moi energy that artists and people who are trying to tell stories can have. And there are so many examples of things that they do or say in this show that i just use as a descriptor for other things that fail like like just so many moments like when we watch a a a thing and they're just padding out the time i just often will say i was one i wonder if they were if they considered this section for slow motion just to make it go longer because that whole sentiment is great But. I love that aspect of the show particularly because I have a, a seething uh, a hatred for that type of behavior. And it seems like they do too. Like, it seems like when, you know, they went through the whole process of, you know, doing theater and doing all that kind of stuff, and they had met so many people like this, as well as the famous examples. Like, obviously, Garth Marenghi is a Stephen King type. And Stephen King is very uh, kind of up his own ass a little, and mm-hmm. just the absolute loathing of that, and just putting that in as one of the central threads of comedy within the show is is particularly appealing to me. Garth Marenghi's, like, he's he's read he's he's written more books than he's read is is a classic example of this type of behavior. Or I know I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. That one is particularly <laughs> applicable for a lot of situations, especially in bad writing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there was like um, oh, this is something way in the back of my head, but I think. Oh, I think it was when you were telling me about the Game of Thrones writers. They had a quote that was like very similar. Yeah, they like said subtext like... subtext is for high school essays or something.
1: Yeah, I think, I can't remember if it was that or themes, themes of the Themes, yeah. I can't remember if it was themes or subtext, but it was very Garth Marengian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was it.
1: So it's been quite a few years since you've experienced this. Um, how yes, was it it's...
0: for you on this rewatch? Good, good. It was quite nice. I didn't remember everything. I kind of just remembered the general tone of it. Um, but also mm. since in that time I have experienced a lot more uh, things that have comedic value due to their low budget or, uh, you know, so bad it's good natures, um, a lot more little things were sticking out to me, like poor timing, uh, moments where, like, a character would glance into the camera uh, things like that. So definitely, um, even though I don't remember everything from my first viewing, I know that I've caught a lot more than that first time.
1: Did you have a... Uh, was there a particular moment of, like, poor execution, the, the deliberate poor execution that stood out to you?
0: It was a fairly big one, to be honest, but um, when Garth Marenghi is going to drink the green water <laughs> and he just stops, and there's like a full second before the interruption that was meant to stop him happens. That one really got me.
1: One of the ones that uh really got me is every now and then when Sanchez would talk, and they would dub him like he's he's ADR, like some of his li- most of his lines are ADR, but every now and then it did sound like they just got a different actor to say a specific word in a line. Like, sometimes (laughs) it didn't sound like Matt Berry, and I don't know if that's 100% the case, but there's just, every now and then, there's just a word or a sentence that doesn't sound like Matt Berry at all. (laughs) And it throws you off, it throws you off. Or my favourite particular visual gag in the whole entire show is... In the very first episode, which I think is my favorite episode of the entire show. I don't know. It just, it has everything I want from the show. But Dean Lerner, the, the, uh, who's playing, um, what was his character's name again in the actual show?
0: Um, oh, it's, it slipped my mind. I can't remember. <laughs>
1: just, yeah, Dean Lerner. He, uh, he's Thornton Reed. Thornton Reed That's is it. holding a shovel in a scene and he's Mm -hmm. holding it up and it's covered in blood and the camera is looking at him and he's talking about like you know I just won't do it Garth I just can't do it and he's just refusing to help Garth out and he holds up his other hand as an example of, like, to better help what he's saying, you know, As in, like, I, you know, if I could, my hands are full, my hand, you know, he holds up his other hand and he puts it down. And as soon as he puts it down, that's when the camera decides to gently pan over to where his hand was when it was up. And then it yes, briefly I just remember goes that. back. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It's very, very quiet of a camera. Like, it's not overtly like, oh, it's missed its timing. It's just subtle enough where it's obvious gentle is the right word yeah it's gentle it's obvious enough for you to notice it but not so blatantly obvious that it makes you go oh that was done specifically nothing but for a gag it is just subtle enough for you to buy into how incompetent the cameraman was on that particular day (laughs) and yeah I I particularly noticed on this rewatching of it is I can't imagine them doing more episodes of it because to me they jammed in literally every kind of fuck up you can do in 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 film or TV. Like there's, there's even a point where they do just still images and just narrate over it. Or there's even an episode where a whole conversation is just random shots of things in the room and not the actors. Like it just yeah, cuts yeah. to like random shots of a plant in a corner or a clock on the wall. Like, I don't know how they could do more episodes of it without having to just kind of recycle through some of the technical fuck ups you can do.
0: Yeah, it's very naked gun. <laughs> uh, sorry, not naked gun, police squad. Police squad in colour.
1: Yeah. Uh so who was your favorite character on this watching of it?
0: I really liked Dean Lerner slash Thornton Reed.
1: What about him appealed to you?
0: <laughs> His um He's very pure in the reason why he's a bad actor. He's never acted before, but he thinks that there's a justification for it. And just every gag that plays into that is simultaneously monotone, Mm. but also very purposeful. Like, the constant, like, banging of his hand against the desk. Mm. The timing is never quite perfect, and it's always just kind of, you know, a, a very almost fluid motion that clearly indicates that he doesn't know the impact that it's making yeah um and he's got that he's got that voice that monotone voice that's got that kind of like twang to it yes um and he just like rushes through all his words
1: Except for when he doesn't, and they really, really slow down, and it's really awkward. Like the things conversation. You remember the things conversation? Where they just kept saying.
0: The one where he's like, there's something you're hiding? Yeah, and that one's just yeah. great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> things, dag.
0: Things. He's also got. He's also got very, very good uh on the phone acting.
1: <laughs> that is the best bad acting of the whole entire show is when he hangs it up and then gently like gently as well, looks over and says, Bye. <laughs> Cause he had forgotten to say it, but then he remembered. And no joke, no joke. We've seen that type of thing when we were at university or when we've seen theater where actors just sometimes good or bad for some reason sometimes that mistake is made i don't know if you've ever made it but where you remember that you forgot a specific line and you think that you can just jam it back in again because somehow that will make it better but all it does is just point out the (laughs) (laughs) flaw.
0: yeah it is a familiar concept
1: it is a familiar concept if you've been in that world before um so you sound like you like more Dean Lerner playing Thornton Reed. Is that it? Because that's kind of also the thing is every character has another character as well. There's the real version of them and then there's the characters they play in their
0: show. Well, one of the real versions is probably dead, so they don't appear. But yeah, yeah, the the behind the scenes stuff is all great, great stuff. Um, but it is also like very different. It's very... Hmm slow and they have an understanding that like that part of the show is not going to have like the sort of fuck up gags it's going to have the more you know psychological stuff going on
1: and I that's where I go well to me Dean Lerner the man is my favorite character in the entire show he (laughs) says some fucked up shit with a straight face (laughs) like he's clearly a murderer He's clearly killed her, the actress, and buried her. <laughs> or if she even has a grave. And I love Dean Lerner. Like, I like Richard Ayowadi. Richard a. is a very funny guy. I've listened to, like, you know, his audiobook that he recently did, where it's a memoir about himself, but also it's him on purposely not having an autobiography on himself, but instead dedicating the time to talk about gwyneth paltrow's movie over the top as if it is citizen kane it's specifically it is unappreciated masterpieces the book and it is great but i like him as a as a person as a creator i like him as a director as well but he always has this kind of weird energy to him and he brings that weird energy and makes it really dark when he's Dean Lerner, because Dean Lerner is like an evil, evil man, but he has that voice and he has that whole entire demeanor that Richard Aowati has, which is he's the biggest dork and nerd you've ever encountered in your life. Hence he's great in the IT crowd, but Dean Lerner isn't that. He is supposed to be a Hugh Hefner type, right? But they've cast Richard Aowati to play him, so it feels like even that is false. So everything about Dean Lerner feels like an absolute lie. And that's kind of what I love about him. There's just the casting choice of having him as Dean Lerner, because really, if it was anyone else, they most likely they would have cast Matt Berry, right, as Dean Lerner. He's played that type of character more so, that... Sleazy ladies' man who's, you know, got money and power. He plays that type of character in the IT crowd, but casting Richard A. Wadi as that character adds something else to it. And I love when Dean Lerner gets really emotional and sentimental out of nowhere. Like when he's talking about. My favorite kind of Dean Lerner moment is when he's talking about. Now, I don't know if someone close to Garth. or or has exploded before (laughs) there's a whole (laughs) monologue about that but you know you could tell that scene meant a lot to Garth because it was so genuine and you know there was a lot of emotions on set you know like I, you know there were tears not from Garth of course he kept strong for the crew but but I cried like I like those really sincere weird moments from Dean Lerner because then you get the juxt- like the quick swift kick in the head in which he's completely like the opposite of that in which he's just casually dropping sinister pieces of information and then just not wanting to touch it at all mm-hmm. like when he uh <laughs> when he killed the cat <laughs> Just randomly that comes out. Like, why did he mention that? And I love Dean Lerner because he's absolutely despicable. Like, Garth Marenghi, the character, is great. He's, you know, he he lives up to his namesake. Like, he is the perfect, perfect person to centre a show around Garth Marenghi because he has some of the best lines in all of comedy history. But Dean Lerner... I love him. I love his delivery. I love everything about... I love his hat that he wears jauntily to the side. I love his big fat Mm -hmm. cigar that he holds. (laughs) Which I swear in one of the extras, he says he he doesn't smoke cigarettes because he doesn't want to get cancer as he's smoking his big fat cigar. Yeah, it is um, It is a joy to behold. And of course, Dean Lerner has the famous line, a, te- a televisual event, which is in regards to uh, that dark, play- dark Place would be the biggest televisual event since Quantum Leap. And I don't know why, but that line has always stuck with me. Just, again, it's the sincerity that Dean Lerner says that with. Like, you could tell that Dean Lerner and Garth Marenghi, as arrogant as they are, They genuinely thought during the process of making Dark Place that they thought it was going to be good. It wasn't just a a piece of shit that they were making for money. Like they all like that's what I also like about this show is the characters within it genuinely thought that they were going to make something great, and/or they believe they have made something great. I think Todd Rivers is like the only one who kind of is the closest to seeing it for the piece of shit that it is. But even he is pretty deluded.
0: Yeah, he's not as big in the production as the other two are. But yeah, and the fact that they love the product and think that it is great kind of lends itself to that idea of, uh, you know, why we enjoy products that are so bad they're good. It's because they believe that they were making something great and you can see all the purpose behind it. Mm. So...
1: What was your favorite episode?
0: That's a really difficult question to answer because there's just so <laughs> so many gags that like could have been in any episode, but like they were all centered around a plot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about it, uh, I, I know I'm avoiding the question, but um, they didn't really have like scenes that wasted time everything kind of felt like they had purpose towards the story of the episode yeah which that's a very weird almost compliment you can give the show um but favorite episode i i think it i think maybe the second episode which is there are a lot of that's the one with um uh liz going crazy and like making uh objects fly around yes yes the, there are a lot of gags there. Like A lot of these episodes do fall into like typical TV show tropes. Like One of them has a running gag that doesn't serve the narrative much, where they've done a prank on Thornton Reed, <laughs> where people keep calling him, <laughs> thinking that they're calling a massage parlour or something like a that. A
1: male massage parlour.
0: <laughs> male massage parlour. That one has, and that episode, the one that I said is probably my favourite, is the one where they have like the one episode only character this the uh, temp an intern <laughs> yeah who who seems to, the show seems to want to have it be that this guy uh, is not gonna be on the same side as Garth because they he sees like obvious flaws in him but then as they work together throughout the episode hmm. they're gonna see eye to eye and form like a, a bond a bond that you know might be long lasting should he live past the episode. Um, but their interactions are incredibly minimal outside of like their meeting and the character's death.
1: It, and, and it is so on point for a lot of shows, and not just shows from the 80s, but a lot of shows. Like, I love Star Trek, but there are so many episodes of Star Trek, new and old, that have very similar type of characters and moments. And it is so on point. And also, like, he's the American but he has like a non-American name and then they have to explain it and he's born here and it's this and then what's that? Oh, it's when a queen dictates this and it just goes on and on. And that's another <laughs> thing I like is in the show that they make of Dark Place, cause Garth Marenghi, the writer fills up his books with absolute nonsense. Like, at the beginning of each episode, we're, we're getting a slice of one of his books, and they're all, like, lots of synonyms and just lots of same words over and over again. But in the show, there's also that, too, where characters give very detailed pieces of information that is completely irrelevant and completely pointless. And it's not just because, in the universe, they're trying to fill up time, but it's also because that's what Garth Marenghi, as a writer, is like. He just feels the Mm -hmm. need to put detailed pointless information in for no reason and there's so many gags with stuff like that like in the first episode i really like the the padre who's a character i think is really um overlooked in the grand scheme of things i love him I love him, and he has his sermon at the end where he's talking about God moves in mysterious ways, and he's detailing all the ways he moves, and it's just like sometimes yeah, all the angles. Sometimes he comes in at an angle or from beneath, like a worm. <laughs> this goes on and on. I love that kind of stuff. But yeah, the second episode is a particularly good one. That one also has the recurring thing of like you said before the sexism angle that the show has woven throughout of throughout it the misogyny of obviously since this show the actual show was made in the 2000s is riffing on the 1980s um style that also is very funny as well because in a lot of those shows in the 80s in particular as well there was that kind of humor there especially in british ones as well but just that oh we make fun of the woman and ha ha, 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 ha and maybe they'll have an episode where they address the fact that that's wrong but by the end they'll look at her ass and ask for some buns anyway they've learned nothing <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that that was that was great it was like uh, i was kind of impressed like oh okay so these characters actually the the story uh, has it so that all these misogynistic moments are intentional but then yeah you get the buns thing and it's like oh no these are the characters aren't changing
1: I love Liz as well um I like her as an as a as an actress she's in a, just he, heaps of stuff like if you've watched horrible history she's in that uh she she was in a movie she directed and uh, I think she directed and wrote called uh, Pre-Vengeance, which is an interesting little horror comedy movie where she's a, she's a serial killer who's like nine months pregnant. And she thinks that her baby inside of her is the like a demonic creature that's talking to her and convincing her to go kill people. Very good movie. Yeah, you know what? Very good movie. I, I, could,
0: I can kind of see her doing well in a horror film, like a genuine horror Product.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, can we uh, like, you know, one of my favorite episodes too is uh, like the last episode of God Frankie's Dark Place in which the woman becomes a broccoli mm-hmm. because it's just straight out of Doctor Who. There's like so many moments that are like, oh, this is straight out lost in space Doctor Who type schlock and stuff like that and that one really reminded me of like sylvester mccoy era doctor who which is around that era like late 80s early 90s doctor who in which there's like an, a few episodes where people get like turned into green moss type creatures and it just reminded me of that and i loved it i love um yeah everything about the show the music oh Bartek, what do you think about the music and the random songs here and there <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that I really enjoy the opening theme. It's this very <laughs> old school type of music playing, mm. and even even the special effects complement it really well. It's this <laughs> mysterious kind of thing, but it feels like not of our time. Yeah, um, which which means that the show nailed it, since this is meant to be them presenting a TV show they made twenty years prior, and the immediate and the the cut in tone between um you know the intro where Garth Magnum is addressing the audience and the intro beginning is just incredibly jarring and puts you right into the mood for what you're about to see
1: yeah i love obviously the aesthetic of the show is on point you know it it, it does the right amount of over the top 80s aesthetic right amount it doesn't go into kung fury territory again It isn't going so overboard with trying to be shit that it becomes lame in itself. Because one of the things I think actually works really well, and this actually is a compliment, even though they're probably not going for this, is this does actually capture some really creepy, weird horror imagery that's actually kind of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. like, obviously there's still comedic stuff, but there's like that sequence at the very, in the very first episode where she shakes, um, Sanchez's hand and he just starts screaming and it just goes on and on. And she's like screaming in a void. And obviously it's played for comedy, but the actual visuals being shown, it has like those October feels. You know what I'm saying? Like, it actually does, at points, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, does actually, uh, silly or otherwise, evoke that horror um, schlock sensibility that is actually genuine in its own right. Like, just the absurdity of seeing a bald man's head on the ground saying, I think I'm gonna die. After he's exploded. It's silly. It really hurts. I love when he delivers that line. It really hurts. And that's like what pushes Garth. Well, it really hurts. Yeah, but
0: that was a great line.
1: Visually, it's on point. Like even in the interviews, like Dean Lerner's is wearing a silly outfit, but it's just on the right amount. And Garth Marenghi is perfect, you know, black on black with a purple tie. Perfect, and the leather jacket and everything, and the belt with the bull on it, and everything is perfect with the visuals. The, like the way that they block scenes is perfect, and how terrible it is. The the amount of space they leave above, above people's heads. <laughs> but I love the music. Like I love 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 the songs that are in Gothmog's Dark Place. The One Track Lover is a song I unironically listen to at this point every night. It's in my rotation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, again, I don't know if I watched that last episode with you, but somehow I had heard that song before. So that's kind of the big confusion for me. I
1: I I just sometimes quote that song just randomly, like she's smooth like ice, cold to the touch, and ain't very nice. (laughs) I think. I love, you know, with the music, it's the music isn't shit. Like, you know, in the in the actual show, it's not like they do the gag where the music's really shitty. It actually does sound like that would have been in an actual nineteen eighties television show, Mm -hmm. and it could have been so easy for them to just cheap out and do that, where it's like, oh, the music's like really zany and really over the top and really shit but the actual music in the show i don't feel like it's absolute garbage it's actually like no no this feels like it would have been in an episode of magnum pi or if this would have been in a tv adaptation of a stephen king book
0: so yeah the 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 fuck up with the music is what visuals they pair it with or or like the acting that's present while it's playing mm it's like, it, this is too good for what is being shown. One
1: of my favorite music or audio related running gags that particularly plays out when you own this on DVD, I guess this would have been different when you watched it on actual TV with ad breaks, is when it does cut to ad breaks and they just have the Garth Rangi's head pop up and it splits mm-hmm. and you have like that that kind of chime sound and that worgling sound and it just kind of stops because there was going to be an ad break there, and then it just kind of breaks back in again. It's very disorientating when you watch it.
0: Yeah, it was was on the YouTube versions as well. And I think the last episode... It didn't have the sounds for when it was going into the ad mode. <laughs> no, book, but it didn't. the sounds were there when it was coming out.
1: <laughs> it was very weird. And of course, the very end credits, where it just is him typing the desk and it's like a Garth Murray production. production, and then, and then very quickly. In association with, with Dean Learn, it cuts off before he even <laughs> says all of it because they ran out of time.
0: Yeah. You have to very quickly jam it in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think this show is uh, perfect and it is perfect for this time of year because it does actually capture that horror world of your stephen kings and your sci-fi schlocky type of writers i'm saying stephen king's a schlocky writer but you know he has his kind of things that he likes and this show is obviously riffing on that like their planet of the apes episode
0: perfect Mm -hmm. the apes of wrath the
1: apes of wrath Or, um, I can't remember which one it was, I think it was, oh, I can't remember, but there's one episode where at the very beginning, Garth Marenghi tells you right off the bat that there's not going to be be an explanation for that, so don't expect this to come come around at the end, you're not going to get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was something like that. I can't
1: remember, but I was like, perfect, perfect, but... uh, we're going to talk about skipper the eye child
0: yes yeah that was episode like three or four i think yeah i think three
1: it has one of the great lines from the behind the scenes interviews in which the premise of that one was a giant eyeball man um violated another man and made him pregnant and he gave birth to an eyeball that garth Marenghi, um that rick dagler sorry became infatuated with because he had lost his own son who was a half grasshopper and he had jumped into a helicopter, presumably. Um, mm-hmm. What a great plot yeah. that is, huh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just remember now he and Garth has a... Sorry, Rick has a little song at one point, doesn't yeah, he?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, if you own the DVD, is used in a haunting manner on the extras menu. <laughs> like, it's done in a chintzy <laughs> manner, but... but,
0: um, It was ridiculous, but it was also kind of, like, sad. Yeah. In a way.
1: Yeah, but uh there's that line of dialogue in the Skip of the Eye Child episode in which dean Lerner, i think was explaining that the actor wasn't happy the one who got impregnated he wasn't happy that day you know he was a real complainer and all that but we we, we do know, and they they all described like we had a closed off set the guy in the suit you know he knew and up until that day trusted <laughs> 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 that says a lot <laughs> they
0: were yeah they were they were talking about it with this real like for them sense of maturity like <laughs> yeah this was this was a very passionate scene that we knew was going to be emotional for the people involved so you know not everyone could see it um, <laughs> and but they clearly didn't know what was literally going to happen yeah i
1: I do love, yeah, for me at this point, I've watched it so many times, those are the type of gags that really hit hard for me, are those really dark ones, like when Dean Lerner's talking about how many people he's lost to AIDS, like, AIDS, you know, it's, the, the AIDS, it's terrible, you know, I had a heart, you know, stepbrother and all that, and and of course Freddie, Freddie gone, You <laughs> can just, there's nothing to actually say about AIDS, like, uh but yeah skip the eye child one of the things um i always think about with that episode too is that one in particular with the first one i want to say all of them do but those two in particular i always think of their visual gags they have a lot of fun visual gags like one that i always think that you would love and it's such a naked gun type gag which is rick the test results are in it's evil and he like sanchez holds up a piece of paper that says test results and points at it (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. In a very yeah, I think they do that twice in the show.
1: Very over the top manner. That one, or <laughs> the little helicopter toy behind, uh, Garth Marenghi.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- that that episode too, the iChild one was one where um, <clears throat> there was a real strong uh, strong purpose behind a lot of the behind the scenes stuff where they were talking about how, uh, this one. This episode in particular is a really emotional one for Garth Marenghi, the man, because, you know, he's always wanted a son and things like that. And mm. he's always talking about how, you know, he lost a son that was actually named Skipper. Um, and even that, at the end of the episode, <laughs> is revealed to be a very long setup for a punchline <laughs> where where the son Skipper was actually a dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's so like, I think the line that I've quoted the most and you've heard me quote it, Bartek. you've probably forgotten at this point that this is from Garth Marenghi and it's such a stupid line. And my wife gets so annoyed with me using it because I use it in reference to myself and or reference to her, which is like, which is the I'm a big girl now and a year's time I'll be a woman. that that line in the very first episode from blizz i don't know why it is always stuck with me and i just use it every now and then when people are being like particularly condescending or when my wife rachel says like "Mm, i don't know and i'm like well you're a big girl now and in a year's time rachel you'll be a woman (laughs) you'll know then
0: (laughs) yeah you're right it is a very quotable show oh
1: it's probably one of the most quotable shows take that game of thrones
0: Yeah, it's, um, and honestly, you keep calling it a perfect show, even if someone were to hesitate and, like, you know, it's hard to label something as perfect, I think you can very easily say that this is a type of show that you wouldn't really change anything in, at least. No. Because the execution, I think it just fulfills its purpose.
1: Yeah, I think the only issue I have, and this is something not even real, is the Scotch Mist episode is—I don't know—it's just never been my. It's my least favorite, and I don't know why. I just I don't. Agree. It doesn't hit as hard for me as the others. I think it's because it is a, a little lighter on the uh, on the constant gags in comparison to the others. But I'm sure if I rewatch it again, there's going to be so many lines that I'm like, oh, of course, that classic line is in this episode. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I believe that's also the episode that has the masseuse running gag, which yeah. I incredibly very much love. I think that episode suffers a bit from a lot of telling, not showing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, yet again, it does have, uh, it does have your subtitles
0: gag. It does, yeah, but it's only really used, like, twice, I thought it might be used a bit more there was like the phone call and then the final confrontation yeah um and in the youtube playlist you linked me and Mm. watching that all the way through was my experience with the show the very last video was a deleted Mm. scene which was meant to be the the experience in scotland yeah i feel like yeah for complaining that it was an episode that like did a lot of telling not a lot of showing i feel like that you know clip might have actually kind of worked if they played around with it a bit more
1: yet again i also just love watching garth Marenghi as rick daglas explain why he hates the scottish so much (laughs) just (laughs) him seething with it and uh i um are you like obviously we kind of danced discuss this a little bit but uh are you happy with it just being six episodes because we are in a current time now where you know tv shows and we want more we want more and people want to bring things back and we want more of this and it is kind of funny to look at a show like this and go oh it's just six episodes how do you feel about that yeah
0: Yeah, I guess it kind of lends itself to the... This is a notion that you've talked to me about. You watch a lot more TV shows than I do, and especially TV shows that have been on Netflix, and you've talked about how there are a lot of TV shows where it feels like they've fulfilled their initial vision within like the first season or two, mm-hmm. but then they get another season that they have to find something to do with, and it's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, yeah, if anything can fulfill its purpose... Within a short period of time, then you know, let's not let's not gamble on trying to extend it too much. Like if there's more ideas to be had, you know, go for it. But if if what you have is good enough, then this is good enough. They even have a gag in like some of the extra uh, extra scenes where um. They mentioned that there were, like, 40 episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if there literally were 40 episodes, maybe that would be a bit much. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the lore of the fact that, like, only these six exist, and even then, the final episode is missing, like, what seems to be a third.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, uh We've got to talk a little bit more about Garth Marenghi, the man himself, the legend. What do you think mm-hmm. of that character?
0: Um... Yeah, he is certainly the mastermind behind everything we see in the show. Uh, he's incredibly pretentious. I really like the fact that he's always wearing some kind of sunglasses. Like, I never really get a sense of, like, what this guy actually looks like <laughs> yeah. when he's not wearing them. I I remember there was one, um in one of the extra scenes, mm. there was, and this was me being completely dumb there was one or two shots where it was uh, the, the Todd Rivers to the left of Dean Lerner. Mm. And in this scene, uh, Todd Rivers never says a word and it's just Dean Lerner talking. And Todd Rivers is kind of on an angle and a bit shadowed. Mm. And I did not know who that was. And I was like, is this what is this what Garth Marenghi looks like without his glasses? I do not know who this person is. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that was me being dumb, but like... Part of my brain really did think like, "Oh man, maybe, maybe this is what I wasn't seeing." I, I don't know. It, mm. it was it was bizarre, but um,
1: we do st- we do see Garth yeah. without his glasses on when he um has to kill Skipper the Eye Child <laughs> because he goes to he takes his glasses off before then, and then he goes to reach them and put them on, and then like tickle his mouth, and then gets bitten.
0: True, but that, that was Rick Dagger. Oh, oh, like, oh, yeah, you're Douglas. right. You're right. I'm sorry. He, he's yes. <laughs> You got the characters mixed up, Ryan. Um, but yeah, we, but also Rick uh, Rick Douglas. He he's not wearing sunglasses. He's wearing like proper glasses. Where you can kind of see what's going on a bit more. The the actual man behind the project, like that's the one whose eyes we don't. Yeah, really get they're to more see
1: like much. tinted glasses. Yeah, yeah. I Garth Marenghi's mm. perfect. I've you know there's so many characters. You know, Sasha Baron Cohen tries to do this with Bruno, and there's so many other characters of people. Making a comedy character that's commenting on the pretentious side of the world, specifically art. You know, whether now we have lots of commentary characters on hipster culture and the PC culture and all that. Whatever. Don't care. Garth Marenghi is the, is the apex character of that kind of comedy, of that critique he is the ultimate apex, or like he's the he is the best character of making fun of the clueless, pretentious, arrogant person. Garth Marenghi is that good of a character, and so well performed. And it's so interesting to me that um, you look up the actor on IMDb, and you know he's done stuff, but he hasn't really done much. And I've seen some of the other stuff he does, and usually in everything else I've seen him in. He's usually a secondary person and he's usually someone who plays, not to paint with a broad brush, I've only got a few examples, but he usually plays kind of more quiet, subdued characters. It seems like Garth Marenghi is the big character in which he really lets loose with his um, overt, kind of over-the-top comedy chops. So the other times he kind of seems to me more so to be in line with playing kind of meeker characters. Uh, uh, a lot more which is interesting
0: which is interesting that was the impression yeah that was the impression i got from just looking at the list like he's been in he's acted in 19 things all of them were tv productions and a lot of them just like listed the specifics episodes of that tv show mm. that he was in yeah i think his name was like what matthew holmes yeah or something? yeah
1: yeah and uh interesting guy and uh you know i i love his performance as Garth Marenghi and as Rick Douglas as Garth Marenghi playing Rick Douglas cuz it is there's another level to it cuz he clearly thinks he's great like Garth Marenghi clearly thinks when he's acting as Rick that he's doing a really great job like those when he works with children like when he has those scenes when he comes <laughs> into the kitty wing
0: yeah and,
1: you know he does is such a fucking arsehole and you can't help but love it
0: yep the great examples of them not being subtle oh yeah it's like this is the scene that's meant to make you remember that this character rick Douglas is the greatest man ever yeah even if the last one ends with a cutaway to dean Lerner talking about how he hit the child
1: <laughs> but they say it in like it's a positive manner <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh oh matt berry Matt Berry is our university uh, lecturer and tutor, and uh, former guest on the show. Liam, um, Liam is Matt Berry. I've never seen them in the same room, but they are both portly gentlemen who speak like this all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't they? I remember once you brought up Matt Berry. You know, not talking about like who he is or the fact that he was in dark place and you're like oh he's the guy from dark place that sounds like liam and i was like oh i think i know
1: (laughs) he sounds
0: like it acts like liam it's so it is
1: so true but (laughs) i love matt berry as well his show toast of london is an absolute joy and pleasure you should check it out at sometime bartek it it is actually it is brilliant him playing a, a failed Washed-up actor trying to get his shit back together. I know it sounds a little unusual for for Matt Berry to do, but it is what he does. And it, and it's got songs in every episode, practically. So if you want to hear Matt Berry sing some mm. more, you get some more of that. He is a singer. Ah, oh, one-track lover. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it shot the shot as well, like an eighties music video, like with with the rain coming at the window and him in his underpants. It's so stupid, but it's so perfect. Um, would
0: what... I hope I hope he has Richard Aoi backing him up. Now I know
1: you're not as familiar with British personalities and and TV stuff, but were there any people that turned up uh, in supporting roles or otherwise that you were kind of surprised or like? Pleasantly, like, or uh, we're happy to see, turn up any familiar faces? Not
0: at all. Not at all. No familiar faces for you. Well, I mean, I know who Richard Ayoade is, but otherwise, not at all.
1: Well, the Padre and the the evil monkey man are the Mighty Boosh. The guys from the Mighty Boosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I'm surprised. You know, it's they seem like people, comedy people, would be up your alley. And when we grew up, the Mighty Boosh were. Very, very popular, especially in meme terms, I guess. Like with uh, Old Greg was very popular when we were teens.
0: I remember an old friend of mine once showed me a clip of Old Greg. That's probably my only experience with it just watching Were they on Were they called Greg? The friend? Yeah, your old friend. No, no, his name was Matthew.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, you had them turn up. My favorite is... Uh, steven merchant who uh voiced uh, wheatley in portal 2 and works with ricky gervais a lot he was the co-creator of uh, extras and the office he played the chef in that one episode and um in dark place who was so
0: tall to- yeah my favorite episode who
1: was so tall because steven merchant is really tall like he's like six foot Fucking six or something ludicrous. That he's so tall and he's wearing the chef's hat, the tall chef's hat, that when he walks through a door, he has to do a full on lunge to walk through it without hitting his head. And it is.
0: That whole sequence was great.
1: <laughs> his stiff acting and like constant rep- repetition of his lines, just constant, constant <laughs> just things of him just saying, Oh, oh where's the chicken? Where's the chicken? The oh, well, chicken be ready when I say it's ready? <laughs> so stupid but yeah for me it was a smorgasbord of fun uh british comedy people that just turned up for a scene here and there and it was nice to see them and it's uh, it made me want to go back and rewatch their own products and shows and and music and whatever else i um this is nothing related to anything but one of my other favorite visuals that i thought uh, that you would like is there's that in the second episode, too, I'm pretty sure, when the guy is being chased down the, the hallway by the stapler, and he's just screaming constantly in that one <laughs> one tone, and he runs to yep. the phone, and he phones, I need Rick Douglas, and then he just keeps screaming.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I'm a bit more sure now. I think that is my favorite episode.
1: Yeah, it's a damn fine one. Uh, anything else you want to comment about Dark Place? Any particular things you want to bring up that you feel like we haven't?
0: This is outside the realm of the uh of the six episodes, but um, I did watch all those special features, and mm. there were a lot of those behind the scenes yeah. to the camera conversations, like a lot i think there was over an hour mm-hmm. uh, i think i did myself a bit of a disservice trying to watch all of those in just one sitting yeah like it might have been a bit much but again that doesn't really apply to you know the tv show itself
1: dude dude they do audio commentaries as the characters
0: on the dvd that that i'd be interested in yeah i love oh it's so good yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine
1: i do love the dedication as well to the characters that they put in like it like they do feel although they're clearly comedy characters they do feel like they are really lived in and real in a way like they really have an authenticity that we've mentioned but also just it does feel like they've really thought hard about who these people are where they came from and what they're about
0: yeah, I cannot complain about the fact that there is over an hour worth of footage in the special features, but yeah. yeah, just the fact that it exists alone is very admirable because I did watch all of it and they were in character the whole time.
1: One of uh, the several lines from the special features that are very iconic and most people don't even realize that they weren't in episodes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's in one of the behind the scenes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but where Garth Marenghi states, like, the first horror novel really
0: was the Bible.
1: I think, I think that thing,
0: that was there, yeah. That's
1: in one of the, and that's why the classic, or like I said, the why Dean Lerner doesn't smoke cigarettes is because he doesn't want to get cancer. Or just Todd mm-hmm. Rivers talking about, like, and that's why I fell in love with a broccoli woman. <laughs> just.
0: There was a lot of Todd Rivers in those behind the scenes things because I think in the show itself they didn't get him until to three do episodes in. Until, I think. Yeah, yeah, until a few episodes in.
1: One of my favorite behind the scenes little Todd Rivers moments is, and Bartek, you must have been nodding your head and going mm hmm mm hmm, because this is exactly something we've had to do at when we were studying drama, which is when Todd Rivers discusses rhythms doing rhythm like speaking in rhythms as an actor and how he has like he's like pacing and steps and rhythms and like talking about that and he's like and uh garth well i guess he's like a you know he's a he's a marching band i guess dun 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 yeah you know, like and, D- and dean Lerner, i guess like can you imagine what was it he said like a mentally retarded uh child at a drum kit yeah that's it yeah we've had that we've experienced that we've been taught that you know in a way without it being as simplified as how Todd Rivers states it but when I watch that I'm just like yeah yeah that's kind of how how it's kind of broken down like in the in the scene obviously it's played as a, a bit of a joke of course but I was just, just sitting there nodding going yep I kind of remember when uh, Shaz taught me that at drama in drama yeah
0: Mm. No, a particular... And yeah, I think at one point, at one point, I think Garth mentions Stanislavski. I think the amount of times I've heard that name, well, he can't even count. He
1: mispronounces it several times. <laughs> 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 yeah, you said it right, Stanislavski, but he's he calls him Stenslavski or something stupid. He adds like an extra something on the end. I can't remember what it was, and he's like acting like <laughs> you know who that is, right? And he's like clearly you don't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about Garth Marenghi, other than this is a quintessential show. If you like comedy, it's worth checking out. It is, like I said, brilliantly written, brilliantly acted. Multiple layers to it. Uh, it's really quite a complex beast when you think about how they had to have made it. Like the 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 amount of effort it actually takes, because. Uh, you know, not to suck our own dicks, Bartek, but we did a very similar type of project in university uh, um, when, uh, and we did pretty successfully at it, and it was pretty well accla- It was pretty well uh, received, but it took a lot of work, didn't
0: it? hmm Yeah, it did.
1: Because we did, we've mentioned on the pod, when we were at university, our final year, our project, we had to do a collaborative effort, and we came up with a play called Soviet Western, in which a part of that play was this shitty Western made by a Soviet government, and then cut to, and this was on stage, interrupted, and you realize, oh, they're making the film, and it's about the -the behind-the-scenes production issues of making this film as mm-hmm. well and obviously a lot borrowed from garth Morangi but uh, we did our own spin there was lots of other inspiration points but it's actually really difficult to get the you know the rhythm of it and the flow of it because also like you could say like if they fucked this up on garth Morangi um you would just go well i just want it to be the silly i just want to see the silly show and not the the interview parts or the other way around but they, they do a good enough job of having enough of both. So that's why in the behind the scenes, you have like an hour, an hour more's worth of stuff that just didn't make it in. Because they were wise enough to go, well, we don't want to have too little of one and too much of the other.
0: Yeah, it, it, for us, it took a lot of serious thinking. There was even a whole, for our group specifically, an element of proving ourselves in a way to... Mm-hmm the people in charge of the class and even to the other groups like yeah we actually do have an idea here we're not just gonna goof around
1: yeah and garth merengue was a, a big big source of uh inspiration for us because structurally structurally it is it is is something really to marvel at and just looking at how it's structured and uh yeah very well done um garth Marangi you know what yeah
0: Fun fact, I think it might even be the case that the day you showed me the first episode was the day that we solidified that we were gonna do Soviet Western.
1: There you go. Yeah. And like, yeah, it is uh I to me a perfect show, six episodes, that's it. I mean, that's not all of Garth Merengi as a character bar tech, because I don't know if you know this, but they did a spin-off show called Man to Man with Dean Lerner
0: i have not heard of this no
1: and it is excellent it is also six episodes in which the pitch of that show is we get to see dean Lerner's late night talk show in which each night he interviews a, a guest and all of them are played by matt holness and they're all different characters the first one being garth Marenghi. okay and it is great it is you would like it. Um, I liked it. I like it a lot. It's a little bit more difficult to find and not enough people talk about it enough, but uh it gives Dean Lerner some interesting things to do. You get to see more of him. Like he's it's him as the talk show host, and you get clips of him out and about doing stuff because that's what those talk show hosts often do. They have their little skits and moments. Like in I wanna say in one of the episodes, it's been a little while since I've watched it, rewatched it, but man to man Dean Lerner really worth watching, is there's a skid or a section in his show where he's doing kind of like the uh, the Apprentice, right? And he's doing his Donald mm-hmm. Trump, which is really funny. And, you know, he's firing someone and he, he says in that Richard A. Wadi way, which is only hilarious when he says it, but he just says, you, you're a fucking toilet. That's what I think about <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, that is good. Our friend who was who's been on the podcast many times and was the lead in Soviet West and Will Brooks has major Richard Aowadi well, well, energy. Well. He would be Dean Lerner if we had to put on Garth Marenghi. He would be Dean Lerner.
0: He would, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's all I have to say. Um, what about you? Your wrap up thoughts, Bartek.
0: Wrap up thoughts. It is a show that completely nails its ex uh, that completely nails its execution, its mission statement um it is very funny it is very visually interesting and if you want to get an idea of i guess a kind of experience that uh is trying to intentionally evoke so bad it's good and does it in a good way then this is one to check out
1: yeah it is it is worth watching i mean it has like we said there's just two much comedy and lines of dialogue to even get into because by god it is just chock full of it like as you were talking i was just thinking about garth merengue's whole little soliloquy about you know riding on the wind or with his heart or whatever and ugh, it's just so pretentious oh
0: right yeah yeah if he didn't have like ink and pages he would write on the wind or something
1: yeah and or like you know i just hit the words on the on, on the typewriter Getting in them in the right mm. order, though, that's that's the trick. That's the mm-hmm. trick. <laughs> Just so fucking. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh, so Bartek, where can the listening people find us?
0: You can find us on the internet. You can use Internet Explorer, Firefox, uh, Chrome, <laughs> thank you, Safari. Um, But using that, you can go to something called a search engine and find (laughs) Spit and Polish Presents on websites such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio. There is a lot of places we are at. If you currently have access to the description of this episode, there are plenty of links there to find us. Um, But even just Googling, you'll find us uh you can yep. contact us directly through our email, spitandpolished at gmail.com that was spitandpolished and polished at gmail.com uh you can also message us directly on twitter and on facebook and we also have a youtube channel where you can post comments yep talking about perfect how blue well recently. we did yeah perfect blue that was our um should i say most recent episode when this comes out yep. uh yeah, perfect blue and if not the neon demon.
1: Yeah, so uh pleasure, Bartek talking spooky, scary, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, a a big it is the biggest televisual event since Quantum Leap.